What scares me is what scares you. We're all afraid of the same things. That's why horror is such a powerful genre. All you have to do is ask yourself what frightens you and you'll know what frightens me. Welcome to another episode of Wonder Soul, a podcast. This is episode 36, Scary Stories. Wonder Horror. Welcome to Wonder Horror, boys and ghouls. This is the spooky and creepy and scary episodes by Wonder Soul. For the month of October, Bearded Buddha will be bringing you some chilling Halloween-themed episodes. To get you into the haunting spirit, today's spooktacular episode is titled, Ghost Stories. Hey, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, Bearded Buddha here. Hope everybody's been having a fantastic and spooky October so far, the weather is finally cooling down, and we are literally days away from Halloween, and I just was wanting to take this opportunity to sit down with you and tell you some spooky, scary ghost stories. Um, This episode is titled Ghost Stories, and literally in today's day and age, we have these things I have heard about called creepypastas. Um, if you knew about Slenderman or any of those kind of tales that have been coming out over the past couple years, especially with the internet, you would know like what a creepypasta is. There's a ton of very, very scary stories out there. And I would encourage you to take an opportunity uh, bef- now and before Halloween to get online, get on YouTube, and either listen to somebody read some stories from Creepypasta um, or read them yourself, but make sure to have a all your lights on. Maybe even do it when you're around other people because a lot of these stories can be really creepy, really disturbing, and can kind of freak you out to the point of uh yeah i don't know if i'm gonna go to sleep tonight and that's really rare and amazing when it comes to stories um you know i just did an episode on horror movies and you know seeing something visually that can scare you like jump scares or uh creepy images that you see in these movies and stuff that's one thing but i think the art of telling a scary campfire story that sends chills down your spine 
is uh, something that we don't have a lot of these days. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of wanted to go back in time a little bit and bring back this kind of vibe of us sitting next to uh, each other, either at a campfire or by the fireplace or, you know, just just kind of set the mood and have that atmosphere and let us just kind of get into the the really spooky parts of our brain because when you tell a story or when you're reading a book or a story your brain your imagination is filling in those images uh and a lot of the times your imagination is what can scare you the most uh and that's what's really scary about these uh creepypasta stories is the details the the imagery that comes to your mind when you're reading these stories but um to not ramble on any further i did pick out one or two maybe three i'm going to record these um in different segments so that we're going to get one story i'm going to take a break i'm going to read another one because the the second one for sure is a little bit longer than um i'm used to and uh, i'm going to sit here and read these stories to you um I've scanned through them, so there's a lot of details in them that I don't know, so maybe I'll even get spooked out by reading them, and I thought that'd be interesting instead of me going ahead and reading through it and knowing what's going to happen, even though that might help when it comes to delivery, but something I wanted to try is uh, like uh, read different scripts, different ways to record, uh, especially when I'm by myself other than uh, just free thought, which I think is really good when I have a guest on and we do like open free discussion. But um, all right, before I go any further, like I said, hope everybody's having a good October. Hope you had a good week. Uh, as I record this, it is the weekend and I hope that you are having a good weekend. And before I get started, just a reminder to go and follow Wondersoul on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that's a good way to stay up to date with the podcast uh, while you're at it. If you get on YouTube a lot, go ahead and subscribe to the Wonder Soul page on YouTube uh, for podcast episodes like this one and also for gameplay from our Twitch, which, by the way, follow Wonder Gaming on Twitch, which uh, you can search in the search bar and find Wonder Gaming. It's WNDR underscore gaming. Uh, we've been doing Bloodborne. Uh, Warface, just different games, and uh, me and my friends, we have a good time doing that. So just another way for us to connect and have a good time. So anyways, uh, let's get started with our first creepypasta story. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this one. I hope you enjoy all of them. And um, yeah, let me know in some way what are your favorite ghost stories and your favorite creepypastas if you've already... Uh, read some or check some out i want to hear some spooky tales from y'all um and let me know what you guys have been thinking about um and how you've been liking these uh wonder horror series i hope to do this again in uh a year from now next october and uh we have a whole year to prepare now instead of just spur of the moment and uh start to gather some more topic ideas anything that i, I didn't cover this october i will next october uh so anyways let's get started with our first story all right, our first story, our first creepypasta of this episode is called Gateway of the Mind. In 1983, a team of deeply 
pious scientists conducted a radical experiment in an undisclosed facility. The scientists had theorized that a human without access to any senses or ways to perceive stimuli would be able to perceive the presence of God. They believed that the five senses clouded our awareness of eternity, and without them, a human could actually establish contact with God by thought. An elderly man who claimed to have nothing left to live for was the only test subject to volunteer. To purge him of all of his senses, the scientists performed a complex operation in which every sensory nerve connection to the brain was surgically severed. Although the test subject retained full muscular function, he could not see, he could not hear, he could not taste, he could not smell, and he could not feel. With no possible way to communicate with or even sense the outside world, he was alone with his thoughts. Scientists monitored him as he spoke aloud about the state of mind in jumbled, slurred sentences that he couldn't even hear. After four days, the man claim, claimed to be hearing hushed, unintangible voices in his head. Assuming it was an onset of psychosis, the scientists paid little attention to the man's concerns. Two days later, the man cried that he could, he could hear his dead wife speaking with him, and even more, he could communicate back. The scientists were in, intrigued, but were not convinced until the subject started naming dead relatives of the scientists. He repeated personal information to the scientists that only their dead spouses and parents would have known. At this point, a sizable portion of scientists left the study. After a week of conversing with the deceased through his thoughts, the subject became distressed, saying the voices were overwhelming. In every waking moment, his consciousness was bombarded by hundreds of voices that refused to leave him alone. He frequently threw himself against the wall, trying to elicit a pain response. He begged the scientists for sedatives so he could escape the voices by sleeping. This tactic worked for three days until he started having severe night terrors. The subject repeatedly said that he could see and hear the deceased in his dreams. Only a day later, the subject began to scream and claw at his non-functional eyes, hoping to sense something in the physical world. The hysterical subject now said the voices of the dead were deafening and hostile, speaking of hell and the end of the world. At one point he yelled, no heaven, no forgiveness, for five hours straight. He continually begged to be killed, but the scientists were convinced that he was close to establishing contact with God. After another day, the subject could no longer form coherent sentences. Seemingly mad, he started to bite off chunks of, his, of flesh from his arm. The scientists rushed into the test chamber and restrained him to a table so he could not kill himself. After a few hours of being tied down, the subject halted his struggling and screaming. 
He stared blankly at the ceiling as teardrops silently streaked across his face. For two weeks, the subject had to be manually rehydrated due to constant crying. Eventually, he turned his head and despite being blind, made focused eye contact with the scientist for the first time in the study. He whispered, I have spoken with God and he has abandoned us and his vital signs stopped, there was no apparent cause of death. The end. See, that's the kind of story that I like. I really gravitate towards more of that black mirror, grounded in reality story now that's scary. Because it's scary because it feels like it could happen or there's a lot more um, realness and the possibility of that being even true or actually happening to you or me um, holds more weight than something completely made up, something that just feels like that's never going to happen to me or you. Um, the fact that we might have the ability to tap into some side of things like if we lost all of our senses like this elderly man in the story, uh, that would just be the most creepy, scariest, isolated feeling ever. Uh, I did a a float tank one time and if you listen to Rogan you would know what those are but anyways you pretty much feel like you don't have a body when you're in one of those um, and that was a freaky feeling you feel like you're floating in space you're just it's just your head like all of your energy and concentration goes to your brain which with this man when he lost all of his senses like he started hearing dead people when tapping into all these different realms and realities it feels like and that's just very scary to me that you know people who have had uh near-death experiences comment about different things about um seeing heaven or seeing god or different things like that and they've had really freaky weird experiences with that so having that happen where this man in this story basically is just a, a brain and a body um, is really spooky it's really scary um, and how crazy you would go just to be not able to feel things or really feel like you're interacting with anybody or anything you can't feel pain uh, you can't feel pleasure uh, it's just one of those stories that yeah it was a little short um, compared to some and it gets really straight to the point, but uh, just the idea of it is almost scarier than anything because uh, who would want to be in that kind of position? Obviously, I know it's stated in the story that you know he was he was um, older and nearing the end of his life, so he volunteered for this. But still, just you know, there's a fear. Uh, for a lot of people of like losing their sight, their hearing, losing different parts of their body or different functions and to, you know, there's a, a lot of people that deal with those kind of things um, every day and maybe that they have dealt with them their whole life um, and they still cope and still function but to lose all of your senses and then to start hearing dead people and dead 
uh, relatives, and then like to finally, like this guy near the end saying that he saw God, or something happen where he was crying and just crying and crying, like it was just like the the sight of whatever he was witnessing was like beyond imagination and beyond compre uh, comprehension. So. That's a that's a weird tale for sure. But um, this next one that we're going to do is another creepy pasta. It's a little bit longer, and the narrative is uh, I think I would classify it as like first person. Uh, so when I'm reading it, I'm reading it from the perspective of the character, and just like this one, uh, I didn't read it all the way through. I know the concept, but I don't know the details. Um, so as I read it to you, I'm going to be pretty much experiencing it for the first time as well. If you had not already heard this, uh, creepypasta, uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into that one. The title to this spooky tale is Psychosis. Sunday. I'm not sure why I'm writing this down on paper and not on my computer. I guess I've just noticed some odd things. It's not that I don't trust the computer, I just need to organize my thoughts. I need to get down all the details somewhere objective, somewhere I know that what I write can't be deleted or changed. Not that that's happened, it's just everything blurs together here and the fog of memory lends a strange cast to things. I'm starting to feel cramped in this small apartment. Maybe that's the problem. I just had to go and choose the cheapest apartment, the only one in the basement. The lack of windows down here makes day and night seem to slip by seamlessly. I haven't been out in a few days because I've been working on this programming project so intensively. I suppose I just wanted to get it done. Hours of sitting and staring at a monitor can make anyone feel strange, I know. But I don't think that's it. I'm not sure when I first started feeling like something was odd. I can't even define what it is. Maybe I just haven't talked to anyone in a while. That's the first thing that crept up on me. Everyone I normally talk to online while I program have been idle. Or they've simply not logged on at all. My instant messenger goes unanswered. The last email I got from anybody was a friend saying he talked to me when he got back from the store, and that was yesterday. I'd call with my cell phone, but reception's terrible down here. Yeah, that's it. I just need to call someone. I'm gonna go outside. Well, that didn't work so well. As the tingle of my fear fades, I'm feeling a little ridiculous for being scared at all. I looked in the mirror before I went out, but I didn't shave the two-day stubble I've grown. I figured I was just going out for a quick cell phone call. I did change my shirt, though, because it was lunchtime, and I guess that I'd run into at least one person I knew. That didn't en end up happening. I wish it did. When I went out, I opened the door to my small apartment slowly. A small feeling of apprehension had somehow already lodged itself in me. For some indefinable reason... I chalked it up to having not spoken to anyone but myself for a day or two. I peered down the dingy gray hallway, made dingier by the fact that it was a basement hallway. 
On one end, a large metal door led to the building's furnace room. It was locked, of course. Two jury uh, soda machines stood by it. I bought a soda from one the, the first day I moved in, but it had a two-year-old expiration date. I'm fairly sure nobody knows those machines are even down here, or my cheap landlady doesn't care to get them restocked. I closed my door softly and walked the other direction, taking care not to make a sound. I have no idea why I chose to do that, but it was fun giving in to the strange impulse not to break the drowning hum of the soda machines, at least for the moment. I got to the stairway and took the stairs up to the building's front door. I looked through the heavy door's small square window and received quite the shock. It was definitely not lunchtime. City gloom hung over the dark street outside and the traffic lights at the intersection in the distance blinked yellow. Dim clouds, purple and black from the glow of the city, hung overhead. Nothing moved, save the few sidewalk trees that shifted in the wind. I remember shivering, though I wasn't cold. Maybe it was the wind outside. I could vaguely hear it through the heavy metal door, and I knew it was the, that unique kind of late-night wind, the kind that was constant, cold and quiet, save the rhythmic music it made as it passed through the countless unseen tree leaves. I decided not to go outside. Instead, I lifted my cell phone to the door's little window, and I checked the signal meter. The bars filled up the meter, and I smiled. Time to hear someone else's voice, I remember thinking, relieved. It was such a strange thing to be afraid of nothing. I shook my head laughing at myself silently. I hit speed dial for my best friend Amy's number and held the phone up to my ear. It rang once, but then it stopped. Nothing happened. I listened to silence for a good 20 seconds, then hung up. I frowned and looked at the signal meter again, still full. I went to dial her number again, but then my phone rang in my hand, startling me. I put it up to my ear. Hello? I asked, immediately fighting down a small shock at hearing the first spoken voice in days, even if it was my own. I had gotten used to the drowning hum of the building's inner workings, my computer, and the soda machines in the hallway. There was no response to my greeting at first, but then finally a voice came. Hey, said a clear male voice obviously of a of college age like me who's this john i replied confused oh sorry wrong number he replied then hung up i lowered the phone slowly and leaned against the thick brick wall of the stairwell that was strange i looked at my received calls list but the number was unfamiliar before i could think on it further the phone rang loudly shocking me yet again this time, I looked at the caller before I answered. It was another unfamiliar number. This time, I held the phone up to my ear, but said nothing. I heard nothing but the general background noise of a phone. Then a familiar voice broke my tension. John was the single word in Amy's voice. I breathed a sigh of relief. Hey, it's you, I replied. Who else would it be, she responded. Oh, the number I'm at a party on 7th Street, and my phone died just as you called me. 
This is someone else's phone, obviously. Oh, okay, I said. Where are you, she asked. My eyes glanced over the drab, whitewashed, cylinder block walls and the heavy metal door with its small window. At my building, I sighed. Just feeling cooped up, I didn't realize it was so late. You should come here, she said, laughing. Nah, I don't feel like looking for some strange place by myself in the middle of the night, I said, looking out the window at the silently windy street that secretly scared me just a tiny bit. I think I'm just going to keep working or go to bed. Nonsense, she replied. I can come get you. Your building is close to 7th Street, right? How drunk are you? I lightheartedly. You know where I live. Oh, of course, she said abruptly. I guess I can't get there by walking, huh? You could if you wanted to waste a half an hour, I told her. Right, she said. Okay, have to go. Good luck with your work. I lowered the phone once more, looking at the numbers flash as the call ended. Then the droning silence suddenly reasserted itself in my ears. The two strange calls and the eerie street outside just drove home my aloneness in this empty stairwell. Perhaps from having seen too many scary movies, I had the sudden inexplicable idea that something could look in the door's window and see me. Some sort of horrible entity that hovered at the edge of aloneness, just waiting to creep up on unsuspecting people that strayed too far from other human beings. I knew the fear was irrational, but nobody else was around. So I jumped down the stairs, ran down the hallway into my room, and closed the door as swiftly as I could while still staying silent. Like I said, I feel a little ridiculous for being scared of nothing, and the fear has already faded. Writing this down helps a lot. It makes me realize that nothing is wrong. It filters out half-formed thoughts and fears and leaves only cold, hard facts. It's late. I got a call from a wrong number, and Amy's phone died, so she called me back from another number. Nothing strange is happening. Still, there was something a little off about that conversation. I know it could have just been the alcohol she had, or was it even that she seemed off to me? Or was it, yes... That was it. I didn't realize it until that this moment writing these things down. I knew writing things down would help. She said she was at a party, but I only heard silence in the background. Of course that doesn't mean anything in particular, as she could have just gone outside to make the call. No, that couldn't be it either. I didn't hear the wind. I need to see if the wind is still blowing. Monday. I forgot to finish writing last night. I'm not sure what I expected to see when I ran up the stairwell and looked out the heavy metal door's window. I'm feeling ridiculous. Last night's fears seem hazy and unreasonable to me now. I can't wait to go out into the sunlight. I'm going to check my mail, shave, shower, and finally get out here. Wait, I think I heard something. It was thunder. That whole sunlight and fresh air thing didn't happen. I went out into the stairwell and up the stairs only to find disappointment. The heavy metal door's little window showed only flowing water. As torrential rain slammed against it, only a very dim, gloomy light filtered in through the rain. 
but at least I knew it was daytime. Even if it was a gray, sicky, wet day. I tried looking out the window and waiting for lightning to illuminate the gloom, but the rain was too heavy and I couldn't make out everything or I couldn't make out anything more than vague weird shapes moving at odd angles in the waves washing down the window. Disappointed, I turned around but I didn't want to go back to my room. Instead I wandered further up the stairs, past the first floor and the second. The stairs ended at the third floor, the highest floor in the building. I looked through the glass that ran up the outer wall of the stairwell, but it was that warped, thick kind that scattered the light. Not that there was much to see through the rain to begin with. I opened the stairwell door and wandered down the hallway. The ten or so thick wooden doors, painted blue a long time ago, were all closed. I listened as I walked, but it was the middle of the day, so I wasn't surprised that I heard nothing but the rain outside. As I stood there in the dim hallway listening to the rain, I had the strange fleeting impression that the doors were standing like silent granite monoliths erected by some ancient forgotten civilization for some unfathomable guardian purpose. Lightning flashed and I could have sworn that for just a moment the old grainy blood wood looked just like rough stone. I laughed at myself for letting my imagination get the best of me but then it occurred to me that the dim gloom and lightning must mean that there was a window somewhere in the hallway. A vague memory surfaced and I suddenly recalled that the third floor had an enclave in the inset window halfway down the floor's hallway. Excited to look out into the rain and possibly see another human being, I quickly walked over to the enclave finding the large thin glass window. Rain washed down it as with the front door's window, but I could only open this one. I reached a hand out to slide it open but hesitated. I had the strangest feeling that if I opened that window, I would see something absolutely horrifying on the other side. Everything's been so odd lately, so I came up with a plan, and I came back where to get what I needed. I don't seriously think anything will come of it, but I'm bored, it's raining, and I'm going stir crazy. I came back to get my webcam, and the cord isn't long enough to reach the third floor by any means. So instead, I'm going to hide it between the two soda machines in the dark end of my basement hallway, run the wire along the wall and under my door, and put black duct tape over the wire to blend it in with the black plastic strip that runs along the base of the hallway's walls. I know this is silly, but I don't have anything better to do. While nothing happened, I propped open the hallway to stairwell door, steeled myself, then flung the heavy front door wide open and ran like hell down the stairs to my room and slammed the door. I watched the webcam on my computer intently. Seeing the hallway outside my door and most of the stairwell, I'm watching it right now and I don't see anything interesting. I just wish the camera's position was different so that I could see out the front door. 
Hey, somebody's online. I got out an older, less functional webcam that I had in my closet to video chat with a friend online. I couldn't really explain to him why I wanted to video chat, but it felt good to see another person's face. He couldn't talk very long and we didn't have uh, anything meaningful to talk about, but I felt much better. My strange fear had almost passed. I would feel completely better, but there was something odd about our conversation. I know that I've said that everything has seemed odd, but still, he was very vague in his responses. I can't recall one specific thing that he said. No particular name or place or event, but he did ask for my email address to keep in, uh, to keep in touch. Wait, I just got an email. I'm about to go out. I just got an email from Amy that asked me to meet her for dinner at the place we usually go to. I do love pizza. And I've just been eating random food from my poorly stocked fridge for days. So I can't wait. Again, I feel ridiculous about the odd couple of days I've been having. I should destroy this journal when I get back. Oh, another email. Oh my god. I almost left the email and opened the door. I almost opened the door. I almost opened the door, but I read the email first. It was from a friend I hadn't heard from in a long time, and it was sent to a huge number of emails that must have been every person he had saved in his address list. It had no subject, and it said simply, seem with your own eyes, don't trust them, they what the hell is that supposed to mean? The words shook me. And I kept going over and over them. Is it a desperate email sent just as something happened? The words are obviously cut off without finishing. On any, on any other day, I would have dismissed this as spam from a computer virus or something. But the words seen with your own eyes. I can't help but read over this journal and think back on the last few days and realize that I have not seen another person with my own eyes or talked to another person face to face. The webcam conversation with my friend was so strange, so vague, so eerie. Now that I think about it, was it eerie or is the fear clouding my memory? My mind toys with the progression of events I've written here, pointing out that I have not been presented with one single fact that I did not specifically give out unsuspectingly. The random wrong number that got my name and the subsequent strange return call from Amy, the friend that asked for my email address. I messaged him first when I saw him online and then I got my first email a few minutes after that conversation. Oh my god, that phone call with Amy, I said over the phone, I said that I was within a half an hour walk on 7th Street. They know I'm near there, what if they're trying to find me? Where is everyone else? Why haven't I seen or heard anyone else in days? No, no, this is crazy, this is absolutely crazy, I need to calm down, this madness needs to end. I don't know what to think. I ran about my apartment furiously, 
holding my cell phone up to every corner to see if I got signal through the heavy walls. Finally, in the tiny bathroom near one ceiling corner, I got a single bar. Holding my phone there, I sent a text message to every number in my list, not wanting to betray anything about my unfounded fears. I simply sent, you seen anyone face to face lately? At one point, I just wanted any reply back. I didn't care what the reply was or if I was embarrassed myself. I tried to call someone a few times, but I couldn't get my head up high enough. And if I brought my cell phone down even an inch, it lost signal. Then I remembered the computer and I rushed over to it, instant messaging everyone online. Most were idle or away from their computer. Nobody responded. My messages grew more frantic and I started telling people where I was and to stop by in person for a host of barely passable reasons. I didn't care about anything by that point. I just needed to see another person. I also tore apart my apartment looking for something that I might have missed. Some way to contact another human being without opening the door. I know it's crazy. I know it's unfounded. But what if? What if? I just needed to be sure. I taped the phone to the ceiling in case. Tuesday. The phone rang. Exhausted from last night's rampage, I must have fallen asleep. I woke up to the phone ringing and I ran into the bathroom, stood on the toilet and flipped open the phone taped to the ceiling. It was Amy and I feel so much better. She was really worried about me and apparently had been trying to contact me since the last time I talked to her. She's coming over now and yes, she knows where I am without me telling her. I feel so embarrassed. I am definitely throwing this journal away before anyone sees it. I don't even know why I'm writing in it now. Maybe it's just because it's the only communication I've had at all since God knows when. I look like hell too. I looked in the mirror before I came back in here. My eyes are sunken. My stubble is thicker. I just look generally unhealthy. My apartment is trashed, but I'm not going to clean it up. I think I need someone else to see what I've been through. These past few days have not been normal. I'm not one to imagine things. I know I have been the victim of extreme probability. I probably missed seeing another person a dozen times. I just happened to go out when it was late at night or the middle of the day when everyone was gone. Everything's perfectly fine. I know this now. Plus, I found something in the closet last night that helped me tremendously. A television. I set it up just before I wrote this. And it's on in the background. Television has always been an escape for me. And it reminds me that there's a world beyond these dingy brick walls. I'm glad Amy is the only one that responded to me after last night's frantic pestering of everyone I could contact. She's been my best friend for years. She doesn't know it. But I count the day that I met her among one of the few moments of true happiness in my life. I remember that warm summer day fondly. It seems a different reality from this dark, rainy, lonely place. I feel like I spent days sitting in that playground, much too old to play, just talking with her and hanging around doing nothing at all. 
I still feel like I can go back to that moment sometimes. And it reminds me that this damn place is not all that there is. Finally, a knock on the door. I thought it was odd that I couldn't see her through the camera. I hid between the two soda machines. I figured that it was bad positioning, like when I couldn't see out the front door. I should have known. I should have known. After the knock, I yelled through the door jokingly that I had a camera between the soda machines because I was embarrassed myself that I had taken this paranoia so far. After I did that, I saw her image walk over to the camera and look down at it. She smiled and waved. Hey, she said to the camera brightly, giving a worry look. It's weird, I know. I said it. I said into the mic attached to my computer. I've had a weird few days. Must have, she replied. Open the door, John. I hesitated. How could I be sure? Hey, humor me a second here, I told her through the mic. Tell me one thing about us. Just prove to me you're you. She gave the camera a weird look. Um, all right, she said slowly, thinking. We met randomly at a playground when we were both way too old to be there. I sighed deeply as reality returned and fear faded. God, I've been so ridiculous. Of course it was Amy. That day wasn't anywhere in the world except in my memory. I'd never even mentioned it to anyone, not out of embarrassment, but out of a strange secret nostalgia and a longing for those days to return. If there was some unknown force at work trying to trick me as I feared, there was no way they could have known about that day. <laughs> All right, I'll explain everything I told her. Be right there. I ran into the small bathroom and fixed my hair as best as I could. I looked like hell, but she would understand. Snickering at my own unbelievable behavior and the mess I'd made out of this place, I walked to the door. I put my hand on the doorknob. I gave the mess one last look. So ridiculous, I thought. My eyes traced over the half-eaten food lying on the ground, the overflowing trash bin, and the bed I tipped to the side, looking for God knows what. I almost turned the door and opened it, but my eyes fell on one last thing. The old webcam, the one I used for that eerie, vacant chat with my friend. It's a silent black spear lay haphazardly tossed to the side. Its lens pointed at the table where the, this journal lay. An overwhelming terror took me as I realized that if something could see through that camera, it would have seen what I just wrote about that day. I asked her for any one thing about us, and she chose the only thing in the world that I thought they or it did not know. But it did. It did know. It could have been watching me the whole time. I didn't open the door. I screamed. I screamed in uncontrollable terror. I stomped on the old webcam on the floor. The door shook and the doorknob tried to turn, but I didn't hear Amy's voice through the door. Was the basement door made to keep out drafts too thick? Or was Amy not outside? What could I have been trying to get in if not her? What the hell is out there? I saw her on my computer through the camera outside. I heard her on the speakers through the camera outside. But was it real? How can I know? She's gone now. I screamed and shouted for help. I piled up everything in my apartment against the front door. Friday. 
At least I think it's Friday. I broke everything electronic. I smashed my computer to pieces. Every single thing on there could have been accessed by my network access. Or worse, altered. I'm a programmer, I know. Every little piece of information I gave out since this started, my name, my email, my location, none of it came back from outside until I gave it out. I've been going over and over what I wrote. I've been pacing back and forth, alternating between stark terror and overpowering disbelief. Sometimes I'm absolutely certain some phantom entity is dead set on the simple goal of getting me to go outside. Back to the beginning with the phone call from Amy, she was effectively asking me to open the door and go outside. I keep running through it in my head. One point of view says I've acted like a madman, and all of this is an extreme convergence of probability. Never going outside at night times by pure luck. Never seeing another person by pure chance. Getting a random nonsense email from some computer virus is just at the right time. The other point of view says that extreme convergence of probability is the reason that whatever's out there hasn't gotten me already. I keep thinking, I never opened the window on the third floor. I never opened the front door. Until that incredibly stupid stunt with the hidden camera, after which I ran straight to my room and slammed the door, I haven't opened my own solid door since I flung open the front door of the building. Whatever's out there, if anything's out there, never made an appearance in the building before I opened the front door. Maybe the reason it wasn't in the building already was that it was elsewhere getting everyone else, and that it waited until I betrayed my, exi my existence by trying to call Amy, a call which didn't work until I called it until it called me and asked me my name. Terror literally overwhelms me every time I try to fit the pieces of this nightmare together. That email, short, cut off. Was it from someone trying to get word out? Some friendly voice desperately trying to warn me before it came? Seen with my own eyes. Don't trust them. Exactly what I've been so suspicious of. It could have been a masterful control of all things electronic. Practicing its insidious deception to trick me into coming outside. Why can't it get in? It knocked on the door. It must have had some solid presence. The door. The image of those doors in the upper hallway as guardian monoliths flashes back in my mind every time I trace this path of thought. If there was some phantom entity trying to get me to go outside, maybe it can't get through doors. I keep thinking back over all the books I've read or movies I've seen, trying to generate some explanation for this. Doors have always been such intense foci of human imagination, always seen as wards or portals of special importance. Or perhaps the door is just too thick. I know that I couldn't bash through any of the doors in this building, let alone the heavy basement ones. Aside from that, the real question is, why does it even want me? If it's just wanted to kill me, it could do it any number of ways, including just waiting until I starve to death. What if it doesn't want to kill me? What if it has some far more horrific fate in store for me? God, what can I do to escape this nightmare? A knock on the door.
I told the people on the other side of the door I needed a minute to think and I'll come out. I'm really just writing this down so I can figure out what to do. I, at least this time I heard their voices. My paranoia, and yes, I recognize I'm being paranoid, has me thinking all sorts of ways that their voices could be faked electronically. There could be nothing but speakers outside, simulating human voices. Did it really take them three days to come to talk to me? Amy is supposedly out there along with two policemen and a psychiatrist. Maybe it took them three days to think of what to say to me. The psychiatrist claim could be pretty convincing if I decided to think that this has all been a crazy misunderstanding and not some entity trying to trick me into opening the door. The psychiatrist has an older voice, authoritarian, but still caring. I liked it. I'm desperate just to see someone with my own eyes. He said I have something called cyber psychosis and I'm just one of nationwide epidemics of thousands of people having breakdowns triggered by suggestive emails that got through somehow. I swear he said got through somehow. I think he means spread through the country inexplicably. But I'm incredibly suspicious that the entity slipped up and revealed something. He said I'm part of a wave of emergent behavior. That a lot of other people are having the same problem with the same fears, even though we've never communicated. That neatly explains the strange emails about the eyes that I got. I didn't get the original triggering email. I got the descendant of it. My friend could have broken down too and I tried to warn everyone he knew against his paranoid fears. That's how the problem spreads, the psychiatrist claims. I could have spread it too. With my texts and instant messages online to everyone I knew. One of those people might be melting down right now and after being triggered by something I sent them, something they might interpret any way that they want, something like a text saying, seen anyone face to face lately? The psychiatrist told me that he didn't want to lose another one. That people like me are intelligent and that's our downfall. We draw connections so well that we draw them even when they shouldn't be there. He said it's easy to get caught up in paranoia in our fast paced world. A constantly changing place where more and more of our in interaction is simulated. I have to give him one thing. It's a great explanation. It neatly explains everything. It perfectly explains everything in fact. I have every reason to shake off this nightmarish fear that something or consciousness of being out there wants me to open the door so it can capture me for some horrible fate worse than death. It would be foolish after hearing that explanation to stay in here until I have starved to death just to spite the Antony that might have gotten everyone else. It would be foolish to think that after hearing this explanation I might be one of the last people left alive in an empty world. Hiding in my secure basement room, spiting some unthinkable deceptive entity just by refusing to be captured is a perfect explanation for every single strange thing that I've seen or heard and I have every reason in the world to let all my fears go and open the door. That's exactly why I'm not going to. How can I be sure? How can I know what's real and what's deception? 
all these damn things with their wires and their signals that originate from some unseen origin, they're not real. I can't be sure. Signals through a camera, faked video, deceptive phone calls, emails, even the television, lying, broken on the floor. How can I possibly know it's real? It's just signals, waves, light, the door. It's bashing on the door. It's trying to get in. What could it be using to simulate the sound of men attacking the heavy wood so well? At least I'll finally see it with my own eyes. There's nothing left in here for it to deceive me with. I've ripped apart everything else. It can't deceive my eyes, can it? Seeing with your own eyes, don't trust them, they... Wait, was that desperate message telling me to trust my eyes? Or warning me about my eyes too? Oh my god. What's the difference between a camera and my eyes? They both turn light into electrical signals. They're the same. I can't be deceived. I have to be sure. I have to be sure. Date unknown. I calmly ask for paper and pen day in and day out until it finally gave them to me. Not that it matters. What am I going to do? Poke my eyes out? The bandages feel like part of me now. The pain is gone. I figure this will be one of my last chances to write legibly, as without my sight to correct mistakes, my hands will slowly forget the emotions involved. This is a sort of self-indulgence, this writing. It's a relic of another time, because I'm certain everyone left in the world is dead, or something far worse. I sit against the padded wall day in and day out. The Antony brings me food and water. It masks itself as a kind nurse, as an unsympathetic doctor. I think it knows that my hearing has sharpened considerably now that I live in darkness. It fakes conversations in the hallways on the off chance that I might overhear. One of the nurses talks about having a baby soon. One of the doctors lost his wife in a car accident. None of it matters. None of it's real. None of it gets to me. Not like she does. That's the worst part. The part I almost can't handle. The thing comes to me masquerading as Amy. Its recreation is perfect. It sounds exactly like Amy. Feels exactly like her. It even produces tears that it makes me feel on its lifelike cheeks. When it first dragged me here, it told me all the things I wanted to hear. It told me that she loved me, that she had always loved me, that it didn't understand why I did this, that we could still have a life together. If only I would stop insisting that I was being deceived. It wanted me to believe. No, it needed me to believe that she was real. I almost fell for it. I really did. I doubted myself for the longest time. In the end though, it was all too perfect, too flawless, and too real. The false Amy used to come every day, and then every week, and finally stopped coming altogether. But I don't think that the entity will give up. I think the waiting game is just another one of its gambits. I will resist it for the rest of my life if I have to. I don't know what happened to the rest of the world, but I do know that this thing needs me to fall for its deceptions. If it needs that, then maybe, just maybe, 
I'm a thorn in its agenda. Maybe Amy is still out there alive, somewhere, kept alive only by my will to resist the deceiver. I hold on to that hope, rocking back and forth in my cell to pass the time. I will never give in. I will never break. I am a hero. The doctor reads the paper the patient had scribbled on. It was barely readable. Written in the shaky script of one who could not see. He wanted to smile at the man's steadfast resolve, a reminder of the human will to survive. But he knew that the patient was completely delusional. After all, a sane man would have fallen for the deception a long ago. The doctor wanted to smile. He wanted to whisper words of encouragement to the delusional man. He wanted to scream, but the nerve filaments wrapped around his head and into his eyes made him do otherwise. His body walked into the cell like a puppet and told the patient once more that he was wrong and that there was no one trying to deceive him. The end. Wow. Uh, yeah, that felt like a Black Mirror episode for sure. Uh, or an episode of The Twilight Zone. That was pretty spooky. Um... I did not know what was going to happen. I knew I had to deal with like deception and technology, but that was about it. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think he was uh, crazy or do you think he was really onto something? Because that ending kind of makes you think that the doctor was doing things, but not by his own free will. To me, that's my opinion and take on it. But, um, it is uh, also a good story about um, paranoia and, um, you know, just how even today in today's world, people don't trust anything anymore. They don't trust people they know. They don't trust news, you know, the whole fake news stuff. And people just don't know what's real anymore. Like reality is – it really feels warped now because of – just all the information that we take in and just so many different it's a very good story that kind of reflects what could happen to a lot of people these days because you think of the ways that we contact each other and interact with each other is digitally or through technology and stuff and how that's a median that can be uh messed with and uh, it's not really always going to be genuine you have a lot of bots out there you have a lot of like viruses and fake emails fake things on the internet that try to come off as real people and people uh can be deceived pretty easily when it comes to that so yeah that's like a strange tale that uh you know like i said when i picked out both of these stories it wasn't going to be uh technically your stereotypical ghost story and um I wanted to just like dive into some other kind of spooky tales that can resonate in other areas than just like a haunted house or vampires and stuff like that or ghosts and ghouls. But um, stuff that, you know, really hits on a uh, on your psyche. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that I like now more than ever is a distortion of knowing what's real and what's not like i've said in other episodes this month you know with nightmare on elm street and stuff like that when they fall asleep and they don't know if what they're 
seeing and, and going through is either a dream or, or if it's reality. Um, and what is reality? That whole concept of reality um, is a, a question that so many people have asked and had different opinions on. And we all, in a weird way, you can look at it like we all create our own reality. We're all living in different realities together. We all have a different idea of what this life is and what what it all means and what happens and how we got here, just everything. So we're all living a different tale. And um, you can see like why a character like in this story can just find themselves cut off from the world even though we're all still so connected and how that can drive you crazy and how we are um, so attached to screens and we contact through emails and texts and uh, messages online and stuff like that and how that face-to-face -face interaction is something that you know we severely lack and not only do we lack but when we do have it it sometimes doesn't feel genuine it doesn't feel real anymore because no matter what you have become more accustomed to interacting online and through technology that human interaction has changed and really right underneath our nose and right before us without us even really taking note um, but that is the times that we live in and yeah so I would love to check out some more stories I might even do a part two of this before Halloween because I actually had a lot of fun reading these and maybe I'll do uh, more of a classical spin on like a more of a ghost story something that that really deals with the paranoia uh, paranormal my bad I just been tongue-tied I just got done reading that story and took just a quick little break but anyways, we're at the hour mark. I don't want to make these too long. I hope you enjoyed both of these stories. Um, you can find them on Creepypasta. The first one is uh, The Gateway uh, to the Mine or The Gateway of the Mine. And the second one was Psychosis. Um, and like I said, you can just Google those titles and put Creepypastas and you can find them on the web somewhere. And there's a lot of other people, I think even on YouTube and other places that read creepypastas and tell these stories in a lot uh, better way than I can and have <laughs> probably and they do it uh, really spooky like so yeah anyways um, I'm going to go ahead and try to wrap up this episode here and um, I hope you guys enjoyed that I hope I did a good enough job trying to read these stories to y'all and try to even kind of play into character especially with that second one um and if you did enjoy this please let me know and you know subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and uh yeah thank you for listening to another episode of wonder soul or should i say wonder horror um we're only gonna have a couple more of these until uh halloween hits us next week and it's going to uh be over for the month of october and then we'll move on to uh different and uh, more of the regular uh, <laughs> topics and subjects that aren't so spooky uh, here in November. But um, like I said, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. Uh, subscribe to uh, the Wondersoul YouTube page. Follow us on Twitch. 
watch us stream on there. Uh, definitely go check us out on Instagram and Wondersoul. You can search Wondersoul on both of those and we should pop up. And that's a good way to stay up to date on these episodes and when they come out and anything else that we're doing here at Wondersoul. Um, if you would like to support Wondersoul, you can still and always um, support through Patreon um, or in any way that you can, whether you share these episodes with your friends or family, or if you just like uh, videos on YouTube or whatever, any way that you feel like you can support. If you uh, um, are enjoying these podcasts, please um, just feedback is always appreciated. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly anything that's the only way that i can improve and give you the best content and the best um podcasts that i can create and um yes uh so just connect with us any way that you can uh i gotta get this episode out and i gotta start writing for the wonder thoughts that comes out on like sunday or monday depends on uh when i get it done but just remember, you can find Wonder Soul on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and also now more recently, SoundCloud. Uh, I can only post so many episodes on SoundCloud um, at a time because I'm not, I'm using like the free membership. But you know, in the near future, hopefully, like with Patreon support and stuff, we'll be able to get um, uh, like a premium membership on there and then we'll be able to put more episodes online and if you are listening to this and you were uh one of the people that checked out one of the live streams uh that i did throughout today as i was getting ready for the episode and as i was actually recording some of it um just stay tuned uh we're gonna try to do a lot more live streams on instagram on periscope and twitter and definitely on twitch and Mixer. Mixer, yeah, definitely. And I have, you know, like Jay Crispy and the One of Us campaign, or not campaign, but community and group of people out there that stream. They've been definitely um, awesome uh, since that episode. And I just want to quickly say thank you for all of you who have listened to podcasts from uh, Jay Crispy and that group. Uh, thank you for your support. Um, please go check out them on YouTube and Mixer and uh support them any way that you can anyways i hope you guys enjoyed this episode this was actually really fun to do i hope to do more of these next october and i'll even try to squeeze in maybe a small short one uh before halloween or even on halloween um still open to some uh, ideas for episodes in the future not just spooky but definitely uh, still open for what I should do to, I guess, like just to finish off this uh, Wonder Horror to have like a nice Wonder Horror season finale or something like that. And uh, yeah, but anyways, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this and I hope you had a good week and you have a, a good rest of your October. And I hope to talk to you guys soon. But anyways, I'm Bearded Buddha and this was Wonder Soul. I will talk to you guys later. Peace. All right, all right, all right, all right. If you stuck around, you're in for a Halloween treat. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Marvel movies, but you know, like, the post-credit scene at the end of the movies? Yeah, this is kind of like that. So if you listen to the whole episode, I'm giving you another quick spooky story that I'm going to go ahead and read real quick. And uh, 
yeah, thank you for listening to the whole thing. So without any further delay, here is another creepypasta, The Dog's Lick. A young girl is left home alone with only her dog to protect her. When night approaches, she locks all the doors and tries to lock all the windows, but one won't close. She decides to leave it unlocked and goes to bed. Her dog takes its customary place under her bed. In the deep of the night, she awakens to a dripping sound coming from the bathroom. The girl is too scared to go check and she reaches her hand under the bed. She feels a reassuring lick from her dog and falls back to sleep. She reawakens to the dripping sound, reaches her hand down to the dog where she feels the reassuring lick and falls back to sleep. Once more, she awakens to the dripping sound. She reaches her hand down and feels the lick of her dog. Now curious about the dripping sound, she gets up slowly, walks towards the bathroom, the dripping sound getting louder as she approaches. She reaches the bathroom and turns on the light. She is greeted by a horrific sight. Hanging from the shower nozzle is her dog, with its throat slit open and its blood dripping into the bathtub. Something on the bathroom mirror catches her eye and she turns around. Written on the bathroom mirror in her dog's blood are the words, humans can lick too. Ooh. That one always freaked me out. I've heard different versions of that story, but that's one of the ones I found. Anyways, (laughs) um, just wanted to end on that note. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, Yeah, that's it. There's not a second post-credit scene, but take care. Happy Halloween. Can't wait to do more of these. We'll talk soon.